This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. There's this ad that made its way around Facebook during the 2016 presidential election. Maybe you saw it. It's an illustration of Jesus and Satan arm wrestling. The text above the struggle has Satan saying, if I win, Clinton wins. And Jesus responding to Satan with, not if I can help it. This online ad was one of many that was, according to the U.S. intelligence community, part of a campaign by Russia to influence the last election. But nowhere on the ad would you have been able to see that a Russian-connected group was behind it. By Facebook's estimates, 11.4 million people saw Russian-backed ads like this on its platform in the 2016 election. And now, less than a year from 2020, tech companies, Google, Facebook, and Twitter are starting to announce how they plan to keep the ads they sell from being used that way again. And these companies are coming up with the rules for themselves because the government agency that's chiefly responsible for making those rules can't. Today on the show, the Wild West of digital political advertising and how the agency responsible for bringing order is itself in disorder. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Limbaugh. It's Friday, December 6th. Some of the worries about how online political ads work today are because of what happened back in 2016. Google and Facebook found that Russian-linked entities bought many, many, many thousands of dollars worth of politically motivated ads on their platforms around the U.S. presidential election. And it happened a lot on these platforms where there just aren't a lot of rules on what kind of disclaimers or disclosures must come along with the political ads. Emily Glazer covers tech, money, and politics. She used to cover banking, an industry with a lot of regulation. There were regulators everywhere at every time. And when I realized that there wasn't really a lot of rules with digital political ads and we're entering into this 2020 election, I was just shocked that there wasn't a lot of regulating going on. This shocked Emily for two main reasons. One, because of how easily bad actors were able to manipulate ads in 2016. And two, because digital ads are going to be an even bigger part of the 2020 campaign. Digital is dramatically picking up over time. This election is going to be a big one with a lot of money flowing in. We do expect, and this is coming from research consulting firms, a record digital political spend of roughly $2.9 billion. And that's roughly twice as much as what it was in the 2016 presidential election when it was $1.4 billion. 2020 campaigns are already spending a lot on digital ads. Take former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg, who just entered the Democratic presidential primaries last week. According to analytics firms, he's already spent nearly $5 million on ad spots on Google and Facebook. And there's evidence that that spending works. 
the Trump campaign had a lot of success with it in 2016 because, you know, most everyone's on the Internet. Meeting people where they are. That's a big part of advertising in political elections. They want to reach people, especially young voters. Those are voters 18 to 34. And those folks, based on a lot of research, are way more often on their phones and on social media platforms than they are watching traditional television. And is digital advertising cheaper? It is indeed. There is a major, major uh, money differential here. As digital ads are taking off, it opens up more opportunities for misuse. There's the risk of attempted foreign interference, like what happened in 2016, where people who were not allowed to give to political campaigns get involved in political advertising. But it's not just foreign. There's also the more general risk that not knowing who's behind an ad means that you don't know the possible motives of any advertiser. And so questions remain about how to regulate them. And making those regulations is largely the responsibility of the Federal Election Commission, the FEC. This is a small federal agency. There's about 300 employees, and they've been around since the 1970s. And their main area is administering and enforcing federal campaign finance law. So it's money, money, and more money. Here's how the FEC is structured. There are six commissioner seats. These commissioners are tasked with, among other things, coming up with rules on how political ads, digital or otherwise, are regulated. And those rules apply to a lot of the ads you'd see for presidency, vice presidency, Senate, and U.S. House campaigns. Right now, there are rules that the FEC says apply to digital ads. But the FEC hasn't made formal changes to those rules since 2006. And they are largely based on what happens on TV. The Federal Election Commission, the FEC, did have some rules on having disclaimers for certain digital political ads. What do you mean by Disclaimer. Yeah. So if you have seen a political ad on TV before, there's usually an area where it says, Paid for by Pete for America. I'm Elizabeth Warren and I approve this message. I'm Donald Trump. I'm Joe Biden. Bernie Sanders and I approve this message. Paid for by the American Civil Liberties Union. Independence USA PAC is responsible for the content of this advertising. Paid for by XYZ. A committee name, it could be a candidate. But it illustrates where is this money coming from? Who paid for this ad? And that's pretty important for the transparency for the viewer of why am I seeing this? Who paid for it? And that disclaimer is required by the FEC? Yes. But while that's what happens on TV, it's not as easy to do the same in digital. Because it's apples and oranges. In digital, there's search ads, there's ads in the corner of your Facebook feed, there's a banner ad on a website. And for those things, the disclosure rules are less clear. Like, say you search for Mayor Pete. An ad on Google might pop up for Pete Buttigieg that would say something like, paid for by Pete for America, Inc. But in other instances, with the FEC's current rules, it's not always clear when that disclosure has to appear. The FEC has an exemption for some political ads that are too small to fit a disclaimer. Traditionally, it's been used to exempt things like a bumper sticker or a pencil or a campaign button. And early on, tech companies said that online places where people were putting their political ads met this definition. They were too small to include a disclaimer. That leaves some big gaps in terms of whether or not we know, as the viewer, 
who is paying for the ads on these digital platforms like Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, etc. There are some limited rules. Yes, there are disclosures or disclaimers required, but not widespread for all the ads, and they're not being enforced to the same degree either. Why not? The rule book is not fully written. And the rules that do exist are outdated. In a letter earlier this year, one former FEC commissioner wrote that they were using 20th century law to regulate 21st century technology. And that personally resonated with me because it kind of explained how the laws are not keeping up with the platforms. And you can't just take what was the rule or the law for TV and slap it on digital because they're different platforms. The ads come about in different ways. And you can't just take one and apply it to the other. Making new rules has been hard. In the Senate, a bill that would require disclosures for digital political ads has been stalled for years. And for even longer, the commissioners of the FEC have disagreed on how to regulate these types of ads. They do all agree that there is a problem, but they have drastic responses and what kind of action should be taken. And they've been disagreeing on this for many years. Some of the commissioners pointed me back to meetings they had or debates they had. These are public meetings that are recorded. And they're arguing over what kind of acronyms are appropriate. If a group um, just put its acronym on, you know, a, you know ABC Corp., um, would that be adequate? How do we evaluate when is a an acronym um, sufficiently well-known that, um, you know— So they're, like, lost in the weeds. They are so lost in the weeds, and it's been for years, even prior to the 2016 presidential election. But even if the commissioners got out of the weeds and were able to come up with some sort of agreement about how online ads should work, it wouldn't matter. Because right now, there's a bigger problem— this agency is in many ways not functional. And that's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Welcome back. There are supposed to be six commissioners on the FEC. Right now, there are three commissioners and three openings. 
If you go on their website, there are six circles with photos. And literally, there are three gray circles right now because they haven't been filled for more than two years. The first circle turned gray in March of 2017 when one commissioner left. Another left in February 2018, and in August of this year, a third resigned. According to Emily's sources, White House officials have discussed replacing the entire commission. But since August, no one has been nominated. The White House and the FEC have declined to comment on that. In the meantime, they're just the three commissioners. And they need at least four votes for any official commission action. So you have to have at least four commissioners out of the six total at any given time to really do anything. Right now, as the next election approaches, the FEC can't vote on anything, can't make new rules, can't even enforce existing rules like fines for violating campaign finance law. That means that it is a little bit of the Wild West right now because there are not consistent rules over digital political ads. Without consistent rules, the companies that host and sell these ads, the big tech companies, are left to make their own policies. They're under a lot of pressure to do it. It's become a really big reputational issue. It's really hard these days to hear Mark Zuckerberg, the founder and CEO of Facebook, speak without getting a question about politics and where the company stands on that. Same goes for Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. The same goes for Google's parent company, Alphabet Inc., which also owns YouTube. So it has just become such a big part of these companies, whether they like it or not. And the irony is they don't really make that much money from it. So if they don't make that much money doing it, why don't they just stop? That's exactly what some of them did recently. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, in a series of tweets on the platform, naturally, said that they would be banning political advertising. They came out with a more detailed policy about how they would go about doing this. And there are more restrictions for issue or cause-based ads and how much you can target. But it will still allow ads around voter registration. And how does that compare with Facebook and Google? That was the big question, right? Twitter actually did not have as much political ad spend on the platform. In 2018, officials from the company said they had about $3 million for um, political ad. That's not that much in the grand scheme of things. It's a fraction of their revenues. But it was symbolic because the big question was, what does this mean for the two big kahunas, Google and Facebook? Google announced in late November that it would restrict political ad targeting on its platforms. That's YouTube. That's on Google through search ads. So if you're typing something in, you might see a banner ad. And basically what they said is that political advertisers will still be able to display ads based on the content of the page, the Google page that a user is viewing. But under this new policy, political ads can only be targeted based on users' age, gender, and location at the postal code level. In this coming election, experts estimate that campaigns will spend the majority of their digital ad money on Facebook's platforms. And what is Facebook doing? I saved the most important for last. Facebook, we reported just recently that it is discussing curbing narrowly targeted ads. 
ads and that it is least discussing the possibility of increasing the minimum number of people who can be targeted in political ads from 100 to a few thousand. And if that happened, it would be an effort to make it harder for advertisers to micro-target because micro-targeting is often criticized as enabling political actors to single out groups for misleading or false ads, which is otherwise known as misinformation. But one policy that Facebook says it won't change is its stance that the company will not fact-check political ads, even if they contain false information. This week, in an interview on CBS, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg explained why. What I believe is that in a democracy, it's really important that people can see for themselves what politicians are saying so that they can make their own judgments. And, you know, I don't think that a private company should be censoring politicians or news. The company has said it is looking at ways to refine its approach to political ads. But Facebook hasn't said if or when it would roll out any changes. But the changes that are happening across the many digital platforms are scattershot. And based on what the tech companies decide to do, not by the regulator whose role it is to oversee advertising for federal political campaigns. What does this mean for the average voter? In 2020, like, how will our experience be different this election cycle than the previous one? There are a lot more candidates. There's a lot more money being spent. And so the average voter baseline is going to be seeing a lot more political ads. Likely we'll see them on more digital platforms like social media, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, etc. And may not know who is behind those ads and why they're getting that information. That's all for today, Friday, December 6th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. A quick disclosure, News Corp, owner of The Wall Street Journal, has commercial agreements to supply news through Facebook and to supply video content through Twitter. We are your hosts, Ryan Knudsen. And Kate Leinbaugh. We're produced by Annie Minoff, Ricky Nevetsky, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, and Rob Zipko. Our senior producer is Pia Gadkari. Annie Rose Strasser is our supervising producer. Griffin Tanner is our engineer. Our executive producer is Gerard Cole. Our theme music is by Haley Shaw. Additional music this week comes from Peter Leonard and Bobby Lord at Gimlet and Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks to Sam Bear for additional mixing this week. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.